Today, of course, we are turning to Luke's Gospel and focusing on the Easter story. And so if you have your Bible with you, could you turn to Luke chapter 24 as we look at verses 36 through 49. You'll find it on page 1644 of the Church Bible. And to set this reading in context, the passage focuses on the evening of Easter Sunday. Mary has gone to the tomb early in the morning. Peter and John have gone to the tomb. They have reported back what has taken place. And then in the middle section of this last chapter of Luke, Luke focuses on two disciples who were walking to Emmaus. And Jesus spends the afternoon with them, walking six or seven miles, in fact. They enter into deep, profound conversation about Jesus who he was, his death. In fact, they say, even some are saying he has risen from the dead. And Jesus engages in them in this wonderful conversation, and yet they do not recognize who he is. And at the end of their journey, they ask him to join them for supper. And as they sit down, he takes bread, and as he's about to break it, he gives thanks. And the scripture says, Then, at that point, they recognized him. And the two disciples run back to Jerusalem. The the scene changes to possibly the upper room, certainly a, a room in downtown Jerusalem where the disciples, the eleven and the others, had now gathered. So that will give you the context for our scripture reading. Chapter 24, verse 36. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see, I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still did not believe, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. Several years ago, I heard a wonderful story of Charles Chaplin, the silent movie film star. And at his height, 
Charlie Chaplin was a household name across the United States. Not only was he a comic actor, he was a composer. He directed at least one film uh, in his career. And on one occasion, he entered a Charlie Chaplin lookalike competition. And because of his comic genius that he was, you can imagine why that would be entertaining to him. And those who participated in the competition, of course, dressed like him. They put on the small black bowler hat. They tried the little moustache, the long black tailcoat, the big pants, the floppy shoes, and twirled a cane to try and impersonate them. And as the competition went on, the judges at the end of the day decided that they had three winners. Charlie Chaplin came in third. He came in third. Now isn't that incredible? And I suspect he came in third for this reason. That those judging the competition and those watching and the other participants there had in their mind how Chaplin should behave, how he should move, what his actions should be. And the real Charlie Chaplin wasn't what they thought he should be. It's not often that we have to prove who we are, as Chaplin did that day. But more recently, possibly once a day, you now have to prove who you are. Each time you unlock your phone, you have to prove who you are. If you go onto Amazon or an internet website and open an account, you have to provide a password. Sometimes, in fact, they will send you a confirming number or a code, and then you have to wait to enter that, and they double-check who you are or who you say you are. On Easter Sunday, several times, Jesus had to prove who he was. Can you imagine how frustrating that would get if you're constantly having to prove who you are? We get frustrated when we're sitting at the traffic lights, our phone goes off, and we don't have time to pick it up, answer it, and unlock all at the same time before the lights change. Proving who we are is a reality of life today. In fact, some of us can't log on to our laptops without a fingerprint. And when Mary arrived at the tomb on that first Easter Sunday morning, she couldn't quite work out what was going on. Has someone taken the body? Who moved the stone? She goes back, reports to Peter and John. They come running. John stands outside and looks in. Peter, older, a little maturer, goes right in. And in fact, the Greek language tells us this, as it was originally written, Peter looks at the linen cloth that was wrapped around the head of Jesus and the other grave clothes, and it says he gazed intently. He is seeing evidence of something, but he can't work out why. And who would take a body and unwrap it first? What is going on? And, of course, who moved the stone? And they're 
perplexed, uncertain, anxious. Because remember what has happened over the last couple of days. Their closest, their best friend has been arrested, tried, tortured, crucified, and buried. And if you have ever had a sudden death in your family, you will know what that kind of grief and overwhelming sadness is like. And it takes that first day just to get your head around it. And you begin to think, how can this possibly be happening? And then you imagine the disciples trying to get their mind around Friday, not sleeping much Friday night. And eventually, at some point on Saturday, the big question will be asked. And the big question will be this. How is it even remotely possible that God was involved in this? Surely there's been a mistake Surely a misunderstanding. This cannot be right. At some point they'll say a mistake and they say it was a case of mistaken identity and we didn't mean to crucify him. Surely something will help us grasp what's going on. And then Sunday morning, Peter and John go back. Mary stands there. She's conscious that someone is there. She thinks he's the gardener. The angels, of course, are there moments before and say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Talk of incredulity, talk of confusion and uncertainty. And here is Thomas, when he hears, he says emphatically, unless I see the holes in his hands, the wound in his side, I will not believe. And then the two disciples Easter Sunday afternoon, walking along, and Luke is crystal clear. He says, and they were kept from recognizing him. Why? Why? Why didn't he simply give them a hug and embrace them and said, I told you I would be back. Do you remember when I said, and do you remember what you said? That doesn't take place. In fact, Luke tells us this. He explained from all the scriptures that the Christ must suffer and die at the hands of the chief priests and elders and teachers of the law, then be raised to life. They certainly weren't expecting it. And on Easter Sunday morning, Easter erupts into our world. There's no other word for it. It explodes into reality. To real people in a real place at a real time. In a world of time and space and matter. Christ rises from the dead. And those who loved him most could not take it in. Their imagination is Too small minds are too restricted. What is going on here? They are quite simply incredulous. How can this possibly be happening? How can it possibly be happening? And of course, to complicate it all, the disciples are wrestling with grief and a sense of loss. And there's tears and there's confusion And then, of course, as the day goes on, most of the disciples are in Jerusalem in the upper room 
Two of them return and say, we have seen the Lord. We have spoken with him. He sat down and had supper with us. And Mary is saying, see, I told you. I told you this morning. It's true. He's risen. And they're trying to get their heads around this. And what does Jesus do? Notice what he says. The first thing he says when he appears to them, verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. He was seeking to bring the supernatural peace that brings understanding. And then, of course, as the conversation develops, he said to them, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he says to them, why are you troubled? Why does doubt rise in your mind? And then Luke puts in that wonderful little touch. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe, it was because of joy and amazement. Talk of joy and amazement. Please understand the significance, the magnitude, the enormity of what has taken place since before the beginning of the world. God in his infinite, incomprehensible love put in place his purpose and plan for the salvation of humanity. And down through the millennia, it was coming to pass. And it would come to a climax on Good Friday. And please hear this when I say this. That the cross was not an accident. It was not a hurdle. It was not a distraction from the purposes of God. Christ did not go to the cross because Pilate was a weak, ineffectual Roman governor. Partly that, but it wasn't the primary reason. Neither was the primary reason the jealousy of the chief priests and elders and teachers of the law. Neither primarily was it the betrayal of Judas. All of that played a part. But he went to the cross first and foremost for our sins that's why he went to the cross because God understood this that the powerful intoxicating enticing enslaving debilitating toxicity of sin cannot be broken out with the love and grace and supernatural work of God. And God, in righteous judgment, poured His wrath on His Son rather than on us. And Christ took the penalty. By His wounds we were healed. It was because of His love that we come to know Him And on Sunday morning, with all of the wonder and joy and power of the Creator, He rose from the dead. That's why it's important. That's why we celebrate. It's not accident or chance. 
but integral to the purposes and eternal plans of God. And please hear this. If you are here this morning and saying, Richard, okay, I hear what you're saying. I think I understand it. But don't you think that the resurrection is more of a metaphor that the early disciples longed for him to come back and over the years with wishful thinking it became a resurrection that he kind of lives on in his teaching. Isn't that where we're going? Isn't it metaphor and simile and analogy? Isn't that, isn't that what happened Easter Sunday? Well, please allow me to say this. Let's not mock God with metaphor. Let's not turn the supernatural to parable. Let's not sidestep transcendency and the majesty and the wonder and the grandeur of the resurrection to suit our own theories. Let's understand the reality of it as it was. Christ Jesus came into our world to die for our sins so that we might have freedom to live in the power of the resurrection and have intimacy with his Father and know the wonder and thrill of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Luke was recording at the end of the passage. He said, do not leave Jerusalem till I give you what I have promised. Power on high. And when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, he unleashed the power of God into our lives. And this morning, if you are here and saying, Richard, honestly, I would love to believe. I'd love to have that kind of certainty. I'd kind of come along because it's Easter. My wife or my husband or my kids dragged me along. But I'd love to know with that kind of definite assurance that he's mine and I am his. I'd love that. And Easter reminds us of this. That we get to know him in all of his love and grace when we submit and surrender to his rule and reign in our lives. At that point we say, Lord, I cannot continue to live this kind of life. I don't want to be the person I used to be. Change me, transform me, renew me, refresh me, enable me to surrender to you in my life. That's the centrality of Easter. That's the joy and the thrill of the resurrection. And incredulity finds life in him. That's why ultimately they celebrated if you were with us last Thursday evening when we had our Monday Thursday service, I tried to make the point that I am reasonably convinced that at the cross, history held its breath. 
And on Easter Sunday morning, it breathed again. Again. Because God, in all of his wonder and glory, conquered death and sin and hell and all that it has to offer. And he smashed the power of sin in our lives and enabled us to know him in that deep transformative way. And so this morning, as we draw this service to a close, and we leave here rejoicing Do we rejoice simply because it's a holiday weekend? Do we rejoice because family and friends come over and we buy our children wonderful new outfits and go for an Easter egg hunt and we buy our little girls the largest possible bow that you can buy anywhere? And of course it's fun, of course it's to be enjoyed. But the reality of it is we celebrate Because Christ is risen and he is risen for you. That's the wonder. That's why millions across our world this morning are gathering to celebrate Easter. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for the wonder of the gospel. Thank you for all of the wonder and joy of the resurrection. And allow each of us, please, to leave this morning rejoicing in his love for us. Enable us, please, by your grace, to discover the reality of incredulity finding life in heartfelt transformation because of the joy of the gospel. Father, may we have a spectacular Easter Sunday celebrating with family and friends and may we leave here this morning in those deep recesses of our hearts able to see Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.